We will turn in the Word of God this morning to Jeremiah chapter 32. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 32. And please remember that the Lord's table will be observed at the close of this uh, present morning service. And all who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and have the experience of the new birth and are walking worthy of the Lord are welcome around his table. It is the Christian's love feast, and it is only for those who have the Lord Jesus know him as their Savior. So we trust that you will join with us around the table. Before we read the Word of God, let me say that it has been a great privilege for my wife and I to have been with you for these six Lord's days. We came with fear and trepidation, but the warmth of your welcome quickly swept all our apprehensions away. And we deeply appreciate the invitation to come the privilege has been ours, and we are ever so thankful for the kindness and the hospitality that has been shown to us and for all that the board uh, put in place to make our, our stay to be the, the pleasant one that it has been. We're thankful for all of those things. We will leave tomorrow with the work and the witness etched in our hearts, praying, praying that this pulpit will soon be filled by a man of God who will be true to the blood in the book and a faithful pastor of the flock. Meanwhile, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We will read together in Jeremiah chapter 32 and the verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 6. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of of Shalom thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is an Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is an Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field of Hanamel, my uncle's son, that was an Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even seventeen shekels of silver, and I subscribed the evidence, and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in the balances. 
So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Barak before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase which is sealed, and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for Thee. We'll end a reading here at verse 17. It is our text. May the Lord be pleased to bless the reading of His Word to each of our hearts. We will look to the Lord as we pray. Our loving Father, we do thank Thee for Thy presence thus far in this meeting. We thank Thee for these great hymns that we have been lifting our hearts with in praise to Thee. And now as we come to Thy Word, we pray that Thou wilt give to us that broken and contrite spirit, the spirit that trembles at Thy Word. O Lord, help us to receive Thy Word. May we not be dull of hearing. O Lord, exercise our hearts in godliness, we pray. We know that such exercise is truly profitable for the life that now is and for that which is to come. So, Lord, draw near and speak to us, everyone. Put thy hand upon this clay, feeble vessel. May we know the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit and grace to serve thee. Lord, remember us now, and tarry with us, we pray. In Jesus' worthy name we ask it. Amen. The preaching of Jeremiah, foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of King Zedekiah, was not warmly received. Jeremiah was regarded as a traitor, thought to be on the payroll of the Babylonians. His liberty was forfeited, but while in prison, the Lord instructed Jeremiah to buy a field that his cousin was sent was selling. The whole transaction was not to be in secret, 
but in a public way. It was to be lawfully, publicly signed and sealed. The buying of this ground, it was a pledge from the Lord that he would bring his people back to the land, to the holy city, Jerusalem. But even as this transaction was being rubber-stamped, the Chaldean army was in the fields surrounding Jerusalem. They were waiting for their siege to cripple the resolve of the people to hold out any longer. No essential supplies have reached Jerusalem for days. It's just a matter of time, and it seems that Jerusalem will fall. The plight of Jerusalem is testimony to the fact that sin is a reproach to any people. The departure of the people of Israel has brought them low. Notice with me what we read in verses 28, 9, and 30. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall take it, and the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire on this city, burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal, and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. Sin, sin is a reproach to any people, any nation. These were challenging circumstances for the prophet. He must have wondered, would Jerusalem really recover its former glory? He now has the promise of a full restoration in this purchase of the field. And armed with the promise When Jeremiah went back to his dungeon, he got alone with God. He lifted his heart at the throne of grace. And here in verse 17 is his prayer. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. In every age, there are challenges, seeming impossibilities in the way of God's people. Insurmountable obstacles come before us. If it were not so, we would not be cast on the Lord. We would become careless and self-confident. Ours is an indifferent age. 
a hard-hearted age. The citadels of sin, they dare our assault. The world mocks us as those enemies mocked Nehemiah. But as Jeremiah encouraged himself in the Lord, so can you and I. As he sought the Lord, so must we. May our faith be strengthened in this reality. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Notice three things here. First of all, Jeremiah's acknowledgement. He acknowledges, Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. He acknowledges God as the creator, the maker of all things in heaven and in earth. With whom did God consult? Who gave him counsel? When the clouds were balanced and the foundations of the earth were put in place, who taught him the laws of gravity? Who weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Our sovereign Lord, he spoke this world into existence out of nothing. Consider the vastness of creation. The closest star to earth is 4.3 light years away. That is 4.3 years traveling at the speed of light which is approximately 186,000 miles per second. Now, if it were possible to make a road to the nearest star, and you drove at 60 miles per hour towards it, the journey to the nearest star would take something like 47.5 million years. The furthest star is so distant from us that a, a similar journey would take 800,000 million years. Those statistics are staggering. No wonder Romans 1 and verse 20 affirms that the eternal power of the Godhead is seen by the things that are made. In Isaiah chapter 40, the cities of Judah were challenged in verse, in verse 9, Behold your God. Behold your God. And there follows in the succeeding verses an unveiling of God in all His power and glory. Isaiah 40, verse 12, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, the hills in a balance. 
Verse 14, with whom took he counsel, who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Verses 17 and 18 tells us all nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Jehovah, the living and the true God, is the supreme, eternal, self-existent being. He is the one that we read off here in Jeremiah chapter 32 as that great one, great in counsel. Verse 18, the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty in work. Spurgeon said, there is nothing little in God. Oh, you have a great God and Savior. And whatever the circumstances, whatever the challenge, with confidence, look like Jeremiah to God the Creator, the Maker of heaven and earth. But then we see, secondly, Jeremiah's argument, for he argues there is nothing too hard for thee. Since God has made all things by the word of his power, the prophet argues there is nothing too hard for God. Jeremiah's dungeon, it was lit up with vivid recollections of Israel's history when God wrought wonders for his people. He recalls the wonder of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Look at Jeremiah 32, verse 20, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day and in Israel, among other, and among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand, with a stretched out arm, and with great terror. He recalls the wonder of deliverance from Egypt. The Lord used signs and wonders there. And some of those signs, the magicians of Egypt could counterfeit them. Egypt was a very dusty, dry, dusty place. And in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 16, Aaron was told to smite the dust that it may become lice, the plague of lice. Those numerous grains of dust became lice. Now, the magicians of Egypt, they were powerless 
to imitate. Verse 18 explains, they could not, they could not counterfeit that plague of lice. The magicians could only say in Exodus 8 and verse 19, they said, this is the finger of God. God got a name for himself in Egypt. He wrought miracles. Works were wrought to bring glory to his name. The Lord brought his people out of its bondage as he promised. The Passover night came when the blood of the Lamb applied to the doorposts was the savor of life to those trusting in it and the savor of death to those rejecting it. Many of the Egyptian fathers and mothers may have been the firstborn in their respective homes, and they and their own firstborn, they perished where there was no blood applied. And such was the consternation among the Egyptians. Pharaoh pleaded with Moses and Aaron to be up and going. And once on their way to the promised land, Pharaoh and his hosts were soon in hot pursuit. The people journeyed as far as the Red Sea. And what a challenge it presented to them. It seemed just impossible. How could it ever be crossed? And they were in, in deep, deep dismay and depression. Verse 10 of Exodus 14, Pharaoh drew nigh, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth into Egypt? Carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. But the Lord gave this word in verse 15, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. A way was made where there was no human way a wall of water on either side ensured a safe passage through. The Lord was not at a loss as to how to bring his people out of Egypt into the promised land. A wonderful deliverance was experienced so that in Exodus 15, the people in verse 2, they sang the Lord is our strength and song, and he has become our salvation. He is our God. Jeremiah 
remembered this wondrous deliverance from Egypt. But he also recalled something else from the page of history. He recalled the justice and the judgment of God. In verse 19, Thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And no doubt, Sodom and Gomorrah sprung to mind. The unspeakable wickedness of those cities was visited by fire and brimstone. Hardened hearts are not beyond the divine reckoning. Governments today have cast away God's laws. They have burst asunder the cords of heaven's royal law. Be assured, an accounting day will come. Moses assured the people in Exodus 14 and verse 13, The Egyptians whom ye have seen this day, ye shall see them again no more forever. And not one of those Egyptians returned to Pharaoh's court to tell the tale. They all perished in the watery grave of the Red Sea. And this world, it will face the great day of God's wrath, the great day of His judgment. It's spoken of in Romans chapter 14 and verses 10 through to 12. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Solemn assembly, solemn day, this great accounting day. No wonder the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I wonder if you were called before the throne of the Almighty, would you be found unprepared, unready, unconverted, a Christless soul, still with your sin against your name and in your account, Oh, that you would heed the words of the psalmist in Psalm 2 and verse 12, when he says, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. There is a true hiding place. It's in Christ. 
It's in the finished work of his cross. It's under the blood of the Lamb shed for many. Oh, that you would flee if you're unconverted. Flee to the Savior. And believer, remember how the Lord promised Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. It was a human impossibility, but that promise had the word attached to it. Genesis 18 and verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Remember when the angel brought the news to Mary that she would miraculously bear a son and call his name Jesus, the Savior of the world. Mary asked in amazement, how shall this be? In fact, in essence, she was saying, it's impossible. And all Mary's fears and doubts were swept away when the angel in Luke 1 and verse 37 said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. This was Jeremiah's argument. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. When the Lord makes bare his arm, who shall his work withstand? When he his people's cause defends, who, who shall stay his hand? Jeremiah's acknowledgement and his argument. But then finally we see Jeremiah's anticipation the Lord gave him this promise, and he expected him to anticipate its fulfillment. He expected the prophet to act on the promise. The hyper-Calvinist will say, God is sovereign. His word will come to pass. And so he puts his feet up, and he folds his arms and sits back. Yes, God will bring his promise to pass, but he accomplishes his purpose and his will through you and I, who are his people. And so let this text act as a spur, as a stimulus, the Lord has commanded us to preach the Word in season and out of season. He has charged us to evangelize, to do the work of an evangelist. We have this encouraging Word. Let us then be up and doing. God has said, I will work and who shall hinder it? We think of Noah. What a challenge he faced. There had never been a drop of rain on the earth, and he is told to build the ark 
on dry land. What a challenge. What a challenge Abraham faced when told to offer up his only son Isaac, the son of his love. And what a task Joshua had, circling the walls of Jericho. They are towered to heaven, and he has nothing in his hand but a ram's horn. And seven days he is to circle those walls. Has your faith faltered? Is your spirit broken and under a cloud? Oh, may Jeremiah's confidence be yours and mine. Let it silence our fears, strengthen our faith, revive our hopes, increase our courage, motivate our prayers, ignite our evangelism. Let us go forward knowing that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing too hard can be for our Almighty Lord. Sufficient is His grace for all who hang upon His Word. Hang upon His Word. The Lord has made the heaven and the earth by His great power and stretched out arm and there is nothing too hard for him. May the Lord write his word and encourage our hearts by it today. We will sing, as we close this part of the service, the hymn number 583. The hymn number 583 we face a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee, renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to go and make thee known. 583.
our loving Father, we pray that Thou wilt help us, like Abraham, not to stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. O Lord, Thou hast given to us this promise, that nothing is too hard for Thee. Help us, Lord, then to go in Thy name and to serve Thee with our whole hearts. And we pray that all of Thy people here and this heart of mine will be enthused and inflamed with a new passion, a new desire to serve the Lord, the King of kings. We know that the night cometh when no man can work, and we pray that Thou wilt help us then to fill our hands full of earnest endeavor and labor in the Master's vineyard. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.